Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Now in our final season. This episode is our second edition of Just Fat Things, and this time we're covering all things fat and queer. But first, our news corner. Okay, I wanted to tell the family about another fat made pod to check out. Um, this is made by a friend who I met at a writing retreat, and I wanted to give um, them a little shout out. So here we go. The Pocket Coven is a fat femme produced podcast about the intersection of magic and mental health. Hosted by emotional support witch and writer Callie Little and witch and licensed psychotherapist Amber Lenore, this podcast is for everyone from the magically curious to the seasoned sorceress. Join them for weekly wisdom, practical advice for managing your mental health, deep dives and interviews with witches of all stripes worldwide. You can follow them on Instagram at, at Pocket Coven Podcast. And let us know if you, family, have a podcast you want us to shout out, too. Okay, I've started tearing up now that it's the last season of She's All Fat. <laughs> I have my daily little cry. Um, and if that's you as well, here's a place for your love. We opened a Google form up for you, our beloved family members, to write little notes of love to this fat community you've helped build over the last four years. We'll be writing and posting your letters all season long, so check out the show notes to write your letter to the fat Kelly, I gotta say, the She's All Fat Patreon is the coolest club I'm in. That's incredible. Weren't you a Girl Scout? <laughs> yes, but my team bullied me, so I left it. No! Um, <laughs> oh, when you join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moo Moo or above, that's $7 a month, you get access to our legendary patron-only Facebook group where people are talking about sore butts, LOL, and our obsessions. And no bullies allowed. No bullies allowed. <laughs> You'll also get a bonus mini-sode every Friday. That's right. Junior producer Yells and I have been loving answering your questions and our big sister mailbags. If you want to hear the kind of big sis insight that we have, stick around to the end of this episode for a sneak peek at this week's mini-sode. And if you're looking for a club, go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod today or tonight. Winky face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Lynn put that in there. I love that. <laughs> you want to go to the club, I guess, like the, the club, you know? I didn't know that that said clerb that way until you just said that. <laughs> I think that's what she meant. I was like, what does Lynn mean? Clerb. Okay, that's all our news for this week. But Junior Producer Yelly, you're sticking around to talk just fat things, queer stuff, 
part one. Hashtag just fat things. Hashtag queer stuff. Hashtag part one. (laughs) I am. And we have so many listener voicemails and other fun stuff to talk about. I figured it was a job for two fat queers and two fat episodes. I'll be here this week and next week being gay with you. Goddess bless. So (laughs) we've obviously talked about queerness before on the show. In particular, I want to recommend our episode with Kathy Tu and Tobin Lowe from Nancy, RIP Nancy. But today I want to hone in on the relationship between queerness and fatness. That's why we asked you, our listeners, how your fat acceptance influenced your queerness or how your queerness influenced your fat acceptance. Yes. I know for me, coming terms with my body was necessary for me to realize I was queer so I could pay attention to what was actually going on in my head and my heart instead of just trying to be desirable to men when I was thin. Heck yeah. For me, I realized that I was queer while I was straight-sized before I gained weight, but there's still like lots of ways that my queerness and fatness interact. So mainly with my wardrobe, I still have a really hard time expressing myself as queer because I have a really hard time finding clothing that is affordable and that I love and that fits yep. me properly. Those three things are really hard to find, and I'm sure that it's even harder for folks that are fatter than me. Mm-hmm. Um And I also, I came out to my family when I was fat, and a lot of the reason why they couldn't picture me as somebody who was queer was because my body didn't look androgynous and thin and like most Mm. queer bodies that they were Mm -hmm. uh, familiar with. So, yeah. Well, sounds like we've got a lot to say about queerness and fatness. Heck yeah. All right. Let's get into some listener letters. Okay, so this is our first letter from Hannah. It says, Hi there, my name is Hannah, and I'm actually a PhD student studying the interaction and intersections between fat and queer identities. So when my That's best so cool. So cool. So when my best friend saw your Insta post, she tagged me so fast. I have known that I was fat for as long as I've had memories, but I only realized I was queer in high school. My journey to accepting my queerness was very interpersonal. Friends supporting me, being lucky to see more queer representation and acceptance around me, things like that. And my self-acceptance has grown from that, but fatness had an over-decade-long head start on being a part of me. But that acceptance process of my fatness was much more intrapersonal. A lot of it was me, myself, and I. It was harder but it then felt more self-actualizing and fulfilling to take this acceptance that I had cultivated inside of myself and spread it around. And that allowed me to be more vocal about my queerness. It rides on the coattails of my journey to accepting my fatness. I love that. And I'm glad it does. So basically, my self-found and independent confidence around my fatness is, slowly but surely, helping to strengthen the ways in which I can talk independently about my queerness too. Fatness is my lifelong best friend, and queerness is that cool buddy we met a little later down the line. But it's about mm-hmm. the quality of time, not the quantity, and I'm a quality queer fatty. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> First of all, this person is such a good writer. First of all, I'm obsessed with this person. Same. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah, I love you. I want to read your thesis. I know, me too. I'm very interested in the interaction and intersection between queer and queer identities. Totally. That's the whole, that's why we did this episode. Okay, it's so funny because, like, yes, I I really 
I just really resonate with this letter. Like, so yeah, when this Hannah says fatness is like my lifelong best friend and queerness is that cool buddy we met a little later down the line. That's like exactly how I feel. And like, yeah, I've also always known I was fat and then didn't always know I was queer. And I also really, re- I mean, just, I really feel this journey, journey to accepting my queerness was very interpersonal friends accepting me. Yes. A hundred percent. Like my family and friends were all super supportive. And it was like, you know, my coming out thing felt easier than most people's in a lot of ways because I'm a cis woman in a relationship with a cis man. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it's a, it's the most socially palatable way to come out as queer in this heteronormative totally. society. But I also very much had to accept my fatness before I could accept my queerness and like understand it. I love this, Hannah. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's interesting because my journey was the opposite. I already mentioned in the Top's Tales that I realized that I was queer before I became more of a fatty. Like, I realized yeah. I was queer in university. And then... University! I said uni because I've been listening to <laughs> London Boy by Taylor Swift. And she's like, you <laughs> me in the song. Um, Lynn, drop that clip. <laughs> yep. Stories from uni. But I, so I realized I was queer in university and then I didn't gain a lot of weight until after I graduated. So it was kind of the opposite for me, but I still had a similar journey in terms of my queerness being interpersonal in the sense that I've, I've been queer all my life. Like really, like when I was in kindergarten, I got caught making out with a girl and my parents were freaked out as hell. But I like didn't know that I was queer until university because the you know the hetero patriarchy compulsive heterosexuality yeah, was yeah. so deeply ingrained in me that it was yeah. mostly my friends who kind of made me realize that I was queer because we'd you know like be shooting the shit and we'd be like oh like what percentage of you is like into girls and I'd be like oh like probably like 50% and they'd be like oh that's a lot <laughs> yeah like okay <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) But yeah, I've had that same relationship in terms of queerness being very social. And then my fat acceptance journey being very personal and very intimate. Yeah, I also think it's interesting how like beforehand, before I realized I was queer, it's not like I was like, like I wasn't like anti-LGBT or anything. I've always been, you know what I mean? Like I'm very, I grew, I'm more leftist now than ever, but I grew up very liberal. Like it's, you know what I mean? I was like very... It's just that I did the thing that I think a lot of queer people do where they're like a really strong ally Mm -hmm. because they're actually (laughs) not an ally. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But like I definitely wasn't that way about fat people before I accepted myself, you know? There wasn't any part of my – I think it was like a lot more the compulsory stuff because there wasn't – like apart from like, you know, whatever compulsory heterosexuality does to like fuck up your view of gayness or whatever – I wasn't like, I'm afraid to be gay or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Like, I never – I don't even have a cultural – like, my family is so – it would have been fine. You know what I mean? Like, it was all just that I didn't realize it. But, like, I definitely did not feel that way about fatness at all. Like, I had to accept myself before I understood and accepted others. Like, and that – you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was very – I don't know. Totally. It's interesting. Okay. Let's move on to our next question – our next letter. Hannah – I love you. Please email us. Please send us your PhD stuff. 
Please. And also, I want to say your little notes at the end about being neurodivergent, struggling with podcasts, and you're trying to get better with them. Don't call it better. You're fine. It's fine the way you are. If you want to, if you want to engage more in podcasts, that's also great. That's fine. But I get bothered by noise all the time. And different. I have to consume noise in different ways. So yeah, we love you. You're fine. Yes. Don't worry about it. Okay, letter number two. I will read. This is so fun. I love doing this episode. <laughs> okay, this person says. Realizing I was queer helped me to apply a lot of context to my adolescence. I started putting on weight very rapidly as I entered my teen years, despite having no major lifestyle changes, and it was incredibly isolating. I was so self-loathing, so insular, and I felt like I was on the outside of adolescence, like every girl got a handbook at 13 about how to talk about boys, periods, and makeup. I hated it. I started dissociating just to hang out with people and upkeep the facade that I wasn't as different as I knew I felt. At the time, I thought all of this was because I was fat, which made me lazy, unlovable, and unworthy of friends. Or at least that is what I told myself. As I came into my queer and non-binary identities, I realized there was so much more going on there. And if I had known some queers, I likely would have made this realization earlier. Wow. Thanks for writing in Hannah slash H slash our friend, our family member. Yelly, what do you have to say to this person? I definitely relate to this feeling and I I think it's funny I've noticed that like queer spaces I've been a part of at least are usually a little bit more welcoming or like at least open to talking about fat liberation stuff even though I know that there are like most queer spaces are still incredibly fat phobic yeah but I think that there is that connection between being queer and being fat and kind of the expectation of what our bodies should look like and the fact that both of those intersections of our identities struggle in that way to conform and to fit in especially if you're somebody who is like at the extreme of wherever you are on either spectrum definitely so i think that queer spaces have the potential really to be really empowering for both fat bodies and queer bodies and disabled bodies and black bodies and all bodies that aren't like cis white male bodies pretty much normative bodies or whatever exactly and i know that unfortunately that's not the reality but it's like really um it's something that i'd love to see it's just like queerness being a welcoming space for fatness and other things as well yeah i think it's interesting to see like oh this person is realizing or has realized that well first of all they had these like two very alienating experiences, like a a physical one, putting on weight very rapidly as you enter your teen years. That is isolating. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I gained weight rapidly in various points in my teen years. And it feels like really scary and like hard, mostly because of societal stuff, but also because as a teenager, your body changing is changing so much already and it's already like stressful and like, You know, you're like, what's going on? Like, what's my body turning into? You know, like, it's different than the kind of fears and feelings you have about your body as an adult when you're you have an idea in your head of what you should be or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like uncharted territory. And so that was happening. And then this person felt like, oh, they felt like they didn't know how to fit in with other girls because like, I mean, I'm extrapolating a little bit from what they're saying, but because they felt like super – because they're really queer and, like, we're not interested in performing femininity in this same way. Like, yeah, those are both super 
isolating experiences. And it's like, yeah, of course, like that got blamed on fatness because like that was like an obvious quote unquote problem that society was saying that was a problem. And like, imagine how much better it would have been if it had been like, wow, look at the ways your body is changing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, who are you? And what would you like to talk about? Like, man, adolescence. Yes. It's also so tough going through that while everybody else is also going through that because I feel like high school is just like a a panic storm of just everybody panicking because everybody doesn't like their bodies and it doesn't make for a doesn't make for a good experience really. It's hard. And the ways that like the only I mean this is not like new territory that we're saying, but the the ways that the only models you see are like adults pretending to be teens on TV or whatever, or like models, you know what I mean? It's like not everyone has uh, who is an adult looks back at their pictures from middle school and you have like a at least two year period mm-hmm. where you just look fucking weird. Like you don't look like your kid self and you don't look like your adult self. And I remember being in that period and it's just uncomfortable. It's just unpleasant yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I actually the other day I was looking at old videos of myself in dance class and it was when I was in high school and I have this really like a really weird relationship with watching pictures of myself because I was very thin in high school and the like weirdness comes from like I have vivid memories of myself having that like disconnect and like really thinking I was fat and now looking back on it and being like, I really just wasn't and that like it's just wild how things like that distort your reality so much. Yes, I have I have moments or I have pictures like that from various points in high school when I had like, you know, ED'd myself down to a certain weight that like for sure are painful to look at now. Not not necessarily because of like stuff that was going on then, but just being mm-hmm. like, God, I remember looking at this picture and being like, I'm so fat. Yeah. I'm like, I'm literally not. Like, I just had an eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Gosh. Like, high school. Up. I know. Oh my God. So H Hannah family member, thank you for writing in about your experience. It feels very relatable and like I'm sorry that that was part of your experience. And I'm so glad that you feel like you've come into your queer and non-binary identities. And we love you. We love you. Okay, let's hear this voicemail. Hi, my name's Hannah. And I'm a cisgender woman. And I'm bisexual, pansexual, whichever one works. And I wanted to uh, talk about how sort of my fatness and my sexuality interacted. Um, I've been fat most of my life, and I think my fatness is actually a factor in delaying my own acknowledgement and acceptance of my bisexuality. I was part of GSAs all through high school and college, and I joined PFLAG as an adult, all while sort of presenting myself as a straight ally to the LGBTQ community. Um, although I knew I felt attraction towards women and people who aren't men since probably middle school or younger, I never let myself define those feelings as part of my sexuality. And mostly because my sexuality is just so complicated due to being fat. I felt unworthy of love and affection, and I got a lot of rejection from boys and men all through my life. And I bought into the idea that I could only be sexy and fulfilled if I got male attention and approval. I also didn't want to make it seem like my attraction to women was due to my inability to attract men. 
which was a trope I had seen in the media and the general, like, you know, fat, angry lesbian stereotype that's just so overplayed and just unnecessary. So I, I ignored my attraction to women and only pursued men and to date and get approval from. And I finally accepted my own sexuality when I was about 25 and in a long-term relationship with a cis man. And at that point in my life, I had built up enough self-esteem for my job and relationships and other parts of my life that I didn't feel the need to let patriarchal standards dictate my sexuality. And I'm glad I'm out now, but I always wonder, like, if I acknowledge my sexuality earlier and maybe had dated a woman earlier, would that self-esteem have come from other places? But I think my fatness definitely had an influence on my queerness as well. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Wow. Once again, just like very similar to my story. There's there's thousands of us. <laughs> so many of us like cis fatties who were just in GSA like, ha, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I just relate. Re- pulling out a couple quotes the fatness being a factor in delaying your acknowledgement and acceptance of your bisexuality. Same. Definitely. Also, the thing about fat, angry, lesbian stereotypes, 100%. Mm-hmm. I talked about that a bunch when I talked to Nicolette Mason a couple seasons ago because she was one of the first people who I saw who felt like representation of someone who was like queer and femme and fat because I really felt like I didn't relate to like more – mask presenting queerness Mm -hmm. and I definitely felt like a lot of representation of like queer fat women is like all very mask or like very butch or whatever and I was like that's not me so I must not be gay turns out (laughs) turns out you you can yeah turns out I'm just there's just a word for that that I didn't know yet (laughs) you know like it's really, really funny how having – I mean, not funny, but it is – it's interesting how, like, literally just having one person, literally just one person, Nicolette – like, finding Nicolette was one – like, literally such a strong factor in me being like, oh, starting to, like, realize stuff. Yeah. Just having that person can be so helpful, and it's so wild to think about the things that I missed just because I wasn't thinking of them in that way. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's why representation is so important. Like yes. You seeing somebody or seeing yourself in somebody makes it so much more like possible, I guess, for you to come into that part of your identity and like exist in that space. Yes. So important. It's very much like, okay, so have you watched or listened to the musical Fun House? No. Tell me Fun about it. Or Fun Fun Home? Is it Fun Home or Fun House? I don't know. It's the Alison Bechdel one. It's like based – so she, she's like a writer and she's the one who like the Bechdel test yeah. named after, et cetera. Okay. So she has like a graphic novel about growing up in the in like her parents run a funeral home and it got turned into a musical, blah, blah. And I remember watching – there's a song in it called Ring of Keys, which is basically like her character Young like seeing a – like lesbian who has like a ring of keys on their belt and being like, oh my God, like seeing themselves and and being like, oh, we're alike. Like, just like, it gives me goosebumps every time. (laughs) Your swagger and your bearing and just right clothes you're wearing, your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots. 
And your keys, oh, your ring of keys. And even before I realized I was queer, I would like watch that and like sob. And I tried to like show it to other people, my friends, and be like, isn't this beautiful? Like, and my best friends at the time were like both straight women, and they were both like, yeah, it's nice. I don't know. And I was like, why don't you guys like, why? you like getting this i don't understand it's so funny but then later i was like oh i'm once again i'm just just gay but like i had so many things like that that are like in retrospect so obvious so obvious yeah i definitely had those experiences as well where like any song basically that's about like being true to yourself i would be like jamming yes. to it crying in my car and then other people would be like okay that's a cool song <laughs> nice <laughs> good for you (laughs) exactly yeah so i really i relate to this hannah a lot thank you so much for rating in hannah i'm so glad we've accepted our sexuality and accepted our fatness and we can explore all the cool things about ourselves even better now without for some reason not making those very obvious connections Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, my name is H. My pronouns are they, them. I'm responding to your prompt on Instagram that says, has your relationship with fatness changed your relationship with queerness or vice versa? I think about it less in relationship to my queerness and more in relationship to my gender. So while I don't believe that fat bodies should be hyper-feminized. I don't believe that fat people need to be femme or feminized or feminine in order to be valid. I do think that for me, fatness has really helped me realize that gender fluidity lives in my body. I'm gender fluid. I'm femme-leaning, and these are things that my body fluidity and my changing a body size has helped me come to terms with. Um, when I was coming into my queerness, uh, I'm an AFAP person, so I'm female at birth. Um, I thought to be queer meant to be more masculine, and I went more towards 
that side of the gender binary uh, towards the beginning. But as I come into terms with like my identity, my purpose, I'm realizing I'm very much a femme and my purpose is very much to be in service of other people. And, you know, I had all these reservations about being femme of like, I don't know how to do makeup and like, I don't know how to like dress femininely, but like all of that is femininity from a cis head perspective. And so what does it even mean to be queer and be femme? It is, to me, it is like essentially about power and feeling powerful in your body and something about my body getting fatter. I have PCOS, so my weight uh, fluctuates. I don't always have the same size body. Um, And I feel like my body's fluidity and my gender fluidity kind of go together. The fatter I get, the more comfortable I get with my femininity and the more empowered I feel to embrace femininity and also unlearn a lot of internalized misogyny. Okay, H, thank you so much for calling in. I am obsessed with so much that you said. First of all, I want to highlight that the line, fatness has really helped me realize that gender fluidity lives in my body. I'm obsessed with that. What a powerful way to say that. I love queer people. I love fat people. I'm so happy we're doing this episode. (laughs) so fun it's so fun to see that everybody has so much to say and has such similar reasons or i guess like things to say that go hand in hand with why we wanted to do the episode yes and anytime i hear somebody talk about exploring their identity like i'm very much in that also and i just get so that makes me so happy and excited and like hearing this person talk about how they're figuring out what being a femme means to them. Like, ugh, I love this. This I like need to re-listen to them saying that the fatter they get, the more comfortable they get with their femininity and the more empowered they feel yes. to embrace femininity. Ugh, I love that. It's so good. Oh my God. As somebody who is cis, I never really realized how much, like they said, their like gender fluidity really goes hand in hand with just like, I don't know, I guess having a body, owning a body. Yeah. So Haley, my wife, came out as non-binary recently in the past year. And throughout that process, we've really realized how much of that is linked to like body and body changes because like, I don't know, depending on how they feel in their body, it really affects the way that they present themselves and the way that gender feels that day as well. So that's been really cool to see. And I also really love the way that this H talked about how, like, coming into their identity and realizing that they're very much a femme, because I feel like a lot of the time people assume that being queer is just being the opposite of whatever you presented as before. And it really isn't. Like, it's so, it's so much more complex and nuanced than that. Exactly. It's just, it's like a different lens to to see everything Mm -hmm. in. It doesn't mean, like a switch or anything. It's just like, oh, how am I viewing this now? What does this mean to me now? And that also has been a lot. I mean, I'm also not non-binary, but like even within being a cis person, I have done that through feeling like 
obviously not in the same way or as much. And it's much easier when you're cis to like relate to yourself within society. But like definitely accepting my fatness and my queerness has come with like not re-navigating like I've, you know, I've questioned gender and sat through it and been like, do I, do I? Because like after all that I've figured out about myself, am I sure? Turns out I'm sure I'm boring, but <laughs> there's still like stuff yes. to, you know, you got to re- renegotiate all of it, I feel totally. like. Totally. Well, even since I've realized that I'm queer, I have now come to the realization that I don't want to have kids and it's something that I wow. um really like thought that I wanted all throughout growing up but it's just because I've been told that that was the narrative for somebody who is a woman and so by like exploring queerness and exploring that I've realized that it's okay to not have kids and now I just straight up do not want any so even in terms of that it's like everything is fluid and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just like the the way that accepting queerness and accepting fatness for me and for some of these writers has led to such intense and good internal exploration of the ways that you've heard things that may not actually be true for you, trying to renegotiate your position with them inside yourself and also in relation to society. I don't know. It's just like – feels like really good important personal growth and i'm personally sad for cis had people we're just straight sorry (laughs) (laughs) okay let's listen to our next voice memo hi sophie this is hannah on the topic of queerness and fatness i am in my first queer lesbian relationship um my girlfriend is a lot smaller than me she's probably like half my size she's very skinny and I think that this relationship has made me very aware of my size in a way that I really wasn't before just on how others perceive us when we're together and it made me realize that really my whole adult fat life I've been so hyper feminine because it's like the only way that I thought I could dress as a queer person and that's why a lot of people didn't perceive me as being gay because in their head a lot of queer women could only be skinny um, and you know white and androgynous looking so yeah I think I've just been able to like change my idea of what um, being a queer woman looks like especially in a queer relationship and slowly but surely I've been changing my style because I realized that being super high femme as a fat person is actually not the only way I can dress and it, it helps to see and be around other fat people who are more androgynous or can explore their style in different ways. Because I do love being high femme, but the shit is a little exhausting all the time. So anyway, that is my take on this so far. I also think the queer community is super fat phobic. And it is really telling to me that, like, if, I'm, if I see someone and they only date straight, like, straight-sized people, um, it's a really big determinator of you know, how fat phobic they are if they don't have any fat friends. I'm sure you guys have talked about this already. But yeah, those are my experiences in a nutshell. I love you and your podcast. And yeah, thank you for this very good question. Okay, Anna, thank you for writing in. I love this. Just first of all, glad that you are in your first queer lesbian relationship. Heck Congratulations. Yeah. I hope it's going well. I totally understand what you're saying. There's this like one aesthetic for like femme fat women that is like nerdy anime librarian. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yes. And like some people 
really vibe with it and it's their thing and it's just not my thing and like I do not want to dress like that and it doesn't feel comfortable for me. And I just – just even within – even within feminist and and femininity, like – it's so interesting to hear all these other people t- telling me that they also have had trouble like navigating how like how they want to dress and how they want to present and how they'll be per- to be perceived as queer because I've also struggled with that yeah. in my life. Totally. I really relate to where they mentioned how being in a relationship with this thinner person made them more hyper aware of how others perceive them. Because Haley is um, also thinner than I am. So I remember having those same thoughts when we started dating of being like, okay, well, Haley has short hair, but she also is the one that wears makeup. And I have long hair and I don't wear makeup. And is that weird? And do I have to start wearing makeup now? And obviously I didn't, you know. But um, I remember just being in those like thought spirals of being super aware of the fact that everybody else was aware of us and perceiving us in a certain way. And it's like, you know not a thing now because we've been together for so long but I like I specifically in the first few months of us being together physically especially because we were long distance so we were rarely together physically I remember being super sensitive to the fact that other people were perceiving us in numerous ways yes absolutely we're recording this right on the beginning of queer pride month and like I'm just feeling very happy about our queer family. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Okay, <laughs> let's listen to our next voice memo. Hey, Sophie and team. I'm Hannah. Uh, I'm a fat, white, non-binary lesbian, and I have some thoughts about the relationship between my queerness and my fatness. I've always been very positive about my own queerness, but I've only fully embraced fat positivity in the last three years or so while simultaneously recovering from a period of severely disordered eating and also embracing my gender identity. Uh, Because queer pride and gender euphoria have always felt important and natural to me, I've sort of been able to use that as a bridge to fat liberation and fat positivity for myself. So basically, like, if I could celebrate my non-normative, marginalized queer identities, why couldn't I imagine myself celebrating my non-normative, marginalized body? If I was comfortable not fitting into the gender binary, why was I so desperate to fit into Western colonial standards of body shape and size? Uh, To be fair, the answer is probably trauma. But yeah, tying my acceptance and love of my fatness into the identity factors I had always been proud of has been astonishingly radical for me. All right. Thank you for everything you do. Bye. Hannah. I'm so proud of you. This is so good. I'm just like smiling listening (laughs) to these. Like, I love hearing, I love hearing this, this connection between feeling fat positive because you have been able to feel queer pride. That's so nice. I love that. I love it. (laughs) Yes. It just makes me happy. I'm like, I'm just so glad we decided to do this episode because I feel very seen by these listeners. I feel very like, okay, like, yeah. Yes. You know? I feel the same as when we did the bathroom episode and we were like, yes, yes it's not just us. <laughs> exactly. I just want all of these people to come 
have dinner with me and we can talk about this all night and we can talk about what our like gender euphoria moments and favorite fashion things are. It's going to be so fun. Yes. Cute little fat queer dinner. Oh my God. Sorry. I don't have anything smart to say to you, Hannah. I just love you. And I love You're flawless. this line. If I could celebrate my non-normative marginalized queer identities, why couldn't I imagine myself celebrating my non-normative marginalized body? Yes. Please tell that to every <laughs> white guy in West Hollywood. Um, <laughs> sorry, but there's a lot of fat phobia over there. Yeah. I love you. Thank you for, for calling in. Okay, we have another voice memo that's just going to make me smile again. I'm so excited. Let's hear it. Hi, um, I'm a longtime listener. And Hannah, my relationship with my queerness definitely changed as my relationship with my body did, and specifically with fatness. I had uh, come out as bisexual in high school, but, like, never actually dated girls. And part of it was because of this, like, stereotype or idea, right, that, like, the only women who are queer are those who can't get the attention of a man for whatever reason, like one of those reasons being fatness. So anyway, I actually lost a lot of weight in my 20s and ended up just dating boys forever because it was kind of like it's all part of the same heteropatriarchal soup, right? Like be thin and hot and date men. And then um, I came to terms with my eating disorder and I regained a bunch of weight. And it was really that that took like that was what it took for me to finally start dating women so it is fully because i embraced my fatness that i was able to live the queer life i always wanted to so you're welcome thank you guys bye oh my god yeah thank you for being a longtime listener and for calling in and for telling us your story it's so interesting to me that several people have mentioned that like that they didn't want – they couldn't accept being queer because they felt like it was women who couldn't get the attention of a man, which I – like I also mm-hmm. very much felt that way. I don't know that I would have said it, you know, but I definitely felt yeah. that way. I also – the connection between feeling not as sexual because you're fat – Therefore, just not bothering to explore sexuality is one that I've never made in my head. But now that a few people have mentioned it, it makes a lot of yes. sense for sure. Yes. I mean, especially when when I was like a preteen, like around the, two, you know, 2000 to 2004, there were several like pieces of media I can think about where that had like sexually voracious fat women and like straight sized mm. men being disgusted by them and like running away from them. Yikes. You know? Yeah. Like I can remember specific scenes where I was like, okay, I'm not ever supposed to do that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not supposed to be, I'm not even supposed to want yeah. sex. That's gross apparently or something. Yeah. Like I relate, I relate to a lot of that. And I am so glad. Anna, that you now have both embraced your fatness and that you're able to live the queer life you always wanted to. Heck yeah. That's what you deserve. Okay. Let's listen to one more voice memo. Hi. I'm calling in to talk about how um, my experience with fatness has impacted my experience being queer. I am happily married, but I don't love the male gaze and so I want to present more queerly on a day-to-day basis and it's really fair 
is not a lot of fat representation in queer communities. Um, and when you look up like queer fashion or queer haircuts or whatever, I'm not saying that there's any particular way to look queer, but there's like a very particular idea of what queer people look like. And as a bigger person, I've always felt sort of on the edge of beauty standards generally, and the queer community has just really highlighted that. It's normally a very lovely place to be, but yeah. I totally hear you. I hear you. I was just listening to all this thinking like, I wonder if somehow the next iteration of the pod or this community has something to do with extending into fat a fat queer kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I that's one of the reasons this episode is feeling so good to talk through and make is because I have also felt that a lot of queer communities and queer media, which is already limited, a lot of times doesn't have a lot of fat representation. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Yali? Yeah, we need more of it. We already kind of talked about how like representation just opens so many doors and makes yes. spaces more welcoming. And that's why even in queer spaces – there needs to be like fat acceptance and fat leadership and all of these things to make people feel seen. Absolutely. This is a side note, but I love hearing everybody's voices. Me too. I love it. it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's so nice to hear people. Also because we cuz we create this and just talk to each other to make it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. really fun to hear people and have us be talking about have the people be talking to us about this thing that previously we've just talked about between ourselves been like, I wonder what people will mm-hmm. write in. I wonder what people will tell us. And now we're hearing it. I love it. To wrap up this episode, we had a little idea. <laughs> On our Insta, we asked the Fat Molly about their favorite fat and queer characters from movies and TV. Let's talk about which ones we heard. Okay, so the first one that people said is Cam from Modern Family. So let's hear that clip. Well, Mitchell really wanted to ferberize the baby. Ferberize. It is a method of getting the baby to sleep through the night by... Yes, basically letting her cry herself to sleep. Torture. It's not torture, Cam. It's just hard if you happen to be a person who hates to hear another person suffer. (laughs) Or two people suffer. (laughs) I've never actually watched Modern Family. Um, So that was a great clip to get me to know Cam's character. I do think that that – I'm not – I think there's like a – alternating advice on whether you're supposed to let babies cry like that anymore. I'm not sure if you're supposed to do that or not. It's funny that that's the clip that Lynn picked because I literally today just saw a TikTok about somebody talking about that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be different. I mean, everything that one generation does for babies, the next generation is going to think is barbaric. You know what I mean? There's so many different – there's a lot of opinions about babies, but – 
um, that clip mostly just showed Cam being fat and queer and nice. I guess <laughs> yes. he's just like very nice character. Yes, I love Cam. I I haven't watched Modern Family in a really long time, so I can't speak to how well representative it is now. Yeah. Um, but I remember really loving Cam and Mitchell and their relationship. And from what I can remember, Cam's weight was never a huge part of the storyline in terms of him like he never had a weight loss like journey story or anything from what i can remember if anybody else remembers and please let us know yeah let me know but yeah i love cam and mitchell i think they're silly and fun and sweet i love that that was a fun clip very cute okay next we are going to talk about damien from mean girls here's a little clip is that your natural hair color yeah gorgeous. Thank you. See, this is the color I want. This is Damien. He's almost too gay to function. (laughs) Okay, we don't need to watch this whole clip because I've seen this movie a thousand times. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I would say that I mean, like, it's okay. First of all, it's funny re-looking at that clip because Damien's definitely thinner than I remember him being in my head. Me too. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought he was bigger, but I also really so like Cam really plays into like, you know, this I mean in that clip at least, he's like representing like fat queer parenthood, you know? Mm-hmm. And Damien is really like the stereotypical like fat gay male best friend of the alternate girl in high school like Mean Girls is such I mean it's still so good it's definitely very dated and there's a lot of like you know Tina Fey problematic etc but still much love for Mean Girls and I very much feel like Damien and what's her name the uh, Janet Janice Janice's interactions in Mean Girls are like very much me and some of my friends in high school when we're all just trying to be snarky and figure out who we are as alt people. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. I don't know about you, but like I haven't watched Mean Girls a lot. Um, I was like never a huge Mean Girls fan, but at the time that I watched it, I still was nowhere near even questioning whether or not I was queer. So I never felt represented by Damien in any sort of way. Whereas uh, Cam and Mitchell, I watched like a little bit later in my queer journey. And that's when I started being like, oh, like, I love this relationship. Like, that's so nice. I would love to have this like in, you know, a form. And then they so they're not fat, but Lena and Steph are in the show The Fosters and they are like two thin women who are like queer and married. And they're like the first couple that I saw that really... I was like, oh, my God, Like this is amazing. I want to be this. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that any of them so far are characters. They're just characters that people wrote in for their favorite characters. But totally. I, yeah, I don't feel rep- represented per se by them, but I do feel like these two characters are familiar in my fat queer family. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're cozy. Yeah. And also, I watched Mean Girls so many times in middle school. Like, it came out in middle school, and I watched it a million times. And... I also do remember – I do remember the way that Damien, like, stands up to people around him or, mm-hmm. like, my favorite quippy example, which now, like – it's funny because looking back on some of these scenes, like, they would have such a different relevance with the, the culture wars that go on now, you know what I mean, as yeah. opposed to then. But, like, when he goes into the girl's bathroom to talk to Katie or whatever and then the girl's like, there's a girl's bathroom and he goes – 
Danny DeVito, I love your work. He just like totally ignores what they say. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know. Hey, get out of here. Oh my God, Danny DeVito, I love your work. I don't know. He's just like doing his best as like the queer fat kid at yeah. <laughs> this high school, <laughs> which is a hard place to be, you know. Okay. Also, I think like I have seen the guy who plays Damien at like some fat world events. Oh my gosh. Like they, I don't know what their pronouns are right now, actually, but the actor was at CurvyCon a couple years ago when we went, mm-hmm. which is funny. And I think they're like part of Fat World now. That's so, so cool. That's kind of cool. Let's move on to the next clip from uh, this person wrote in and said that they like Mo from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that either. So let's watch this clip. I have perfect pitch. The church organist discovered it when I was in the second grade. Until then, the only other person that made this little black boy who liked clomping around in heels feel special was my mom. But when I found out that I had something special in me that made people clap rather than call me a sissy, I knew I was special too. So I've never seen Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, but the clip that Lynn gave us makes this character Mo seem very compelling and very fat and very queer and very cool. So I will have to check it out. Um, thank you for writing in about Mo. Have you seen Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Um, I have not, but I'm also very uh, interested in watching it now. Me too. There's lots of clips on YouTube of Mo singing, which is... Very rad, yeah. Love to see a fatty with a skill, you know? Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> Thank you for teaching me about Mo. Now I can watch the show. Okay, and the final character that we wanted to highlight that some people wrote in about is Fran from Shrill. You'll all know I stand Shrill and Fran. And anything related to that, let's listen to a little bit of this clip. This is what I'm thinking. This is Bob Marley. Don't know if you've ever heard of cultural appropriation. Oh, I love culture. I'm going to ask you to leave. Nothing personal. It's just that we hate you here. I love Fran. I love Shrill. I love the Fran, the character. I love the actress who plays her. I love the character. I love how fat and cute and queer she is. I have never been able to see Shrill because Hulu isn't in Canada. My God, you're going to love it when you can finally see it. I really think I'm excited when you come visit me. I'll just we'll just stream the whole thing while we do other stuff. (laughs) Tell me about Fran. I don't know. I haven't watched the most recent season, but I feel like Fran is just so just such a good friend. Like she holds Annie accountable and she also is always there for her, encouraging her. And like she definitely is a friendship role model for me. She's also just so comfortable in her body. And there's so many moments of her like just being hot and queer that I really love having her just be in the show like doing that. I would love if the show focused more on her. Maybe it does in this most recent season, like her storylines and stuff. But the person who plays her is a good actress and makes her seem like somebody fun to hang out with. Like, I think she's probably just a fun person. You know what I mean? And like... I don't know. Yeah, she's just like fascinating on screen to watch and like very pretty and like very funny. And I really like the Annie and Fran pairing and their friendship. And I don't know. I just love it. I love Fran. Who's my baby forever? Me. Who's forever my baby? Me. Is Em going to do that with you? No, we make love. Yeah. 
This season, we're doing a big sister mailbag for our patrons every Friday. We're answering questions like, can you give me suggestions on how to compliment yourself without feeling pompous? Okay, well, first of all, what do you mean pompous? I think probably what you mean is you don't want to feel like you're really complimenting yourself. So you got to get over the feeling of complimenting yourself, which can feel weird and hard. You're complimenting yourself. You're giving yourself big ups. You're allowed to feel big ups. Practice that. What do you think, Yelly? <laughs> totally. That's my biggest thing, too, is just to practice, practice, practice. And then the more you do it, the less awkward it'll feel. And um, yeah, the more natural it'll be. Just think about how you feel when you're complimenting a friend. Do you worry about making them feel pompous? Or do you just want them to feel good? So when you compliment yourself, how do you want yourself to feel? Be your own friend. If you liked hearing us big sisters answer your questions, join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moomoo or above to hear full minisodes every Friday. And that's the first part of hashtag just fat things queer stuff. Tune in for part two next week. We have more voicemails to listen to. And I think the fat Molly is going to recognize some of the voices of some iconic queer fat pals of the pod. That's right. Yelly and I will be back here same time next week to chat fat and play gay. I wrote that because it rhymes. (laughs) Lynn Lynn wrote that because it rhymes. Stylish Sista is a black, fat-owned small business where you can purchase the only SAF stickers on the market. Check out the All Bodies Are Good Bodies collab at stylishsista.etsy.com and buy some packs for your friends. For a limited time. If you're inspired by today's voicemails, you can leave us a message at 213-375-5023. I love to hear from our Hannahs and Hs, and we might even play your message right here on the pod. Sophie, I have a message for you. It's a very sweet Apple podcast review from user ArcSlay. Ten minutes in and I already love this pod. A YouTuber named T-Noir recommended you guys. Thank you, T-Noir. And I'm only like ten minutes in and I'm a fan already. I can't wait to listen to all the episodes you've posted. Thank you, Arxley, and thank you, Teen Noir. We'll have to check out that channel. If you want to leave a legacy of reviews for me to cry over on the toilet long after SAF ends, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. As always, shout out to our patrons. Thank you to Hannah E. Frederick, Micah Agana, Annika Jin, Stephanie Schneider, Amber Gonsalves, Megan Shelton, Amelia Robert, Grace Ladd, Eva Brackfield, and Katie Hitchcock. We could not make the show without you. Bye! Bye. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced 
produced by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Vertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm velour xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.